0: Hey, Cass, this is Caleb. This is Chris. Hauntingly beautiful. Yeah, Simon and Garfunkel. This is amazing. Oh, man. Amazing poetry, amazing lyrics, chords. This one day, I was working at the Hollywood Bowl Uh for a few months, and someone asked me who my favorite band was, or musician, and I said Simon and Garfunkel. They are my favorite, I would say.
1: Yeah.
0: Just on a personal level. They just really resonate they really bring the feels. They really just yeah. deliver in a powerful way. Yeah. yeah. No, I for agree. A, I agree. Just an amazing, band. Yeah. amazing,
1: amazing, folk band. Just makes you want to rethink folk. You know, I'm a rock it makes guy. Makes me want I to like rethink rock. my
0: life. I like rock. I like, I, like,
1: I like the drums. I like the intensity. I like the bass, but um, yeah. But Simon and Garfunkel just bring something. Just bring some. Just make folk. Uh, something really special. They're just timeless, haunting,
0: It's just wonderful beautiful. stuff. And from him asking me that question is what uh, inspired me to do the America video that we worked right. on. So oh, like, right. You know that, what, that was a lot fun. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going <laughs> to take a song of theirs, America, which is one of my favorite of their songs. And, and... try to get Chris killed during that. <laughs> yeah, by a, a wave. Yeah. <laughs> But you got right. the footage, All right? We did get it. So, um, so this is um, a bonus pod, right? The bonus pod. And speaking
1: of bonuses, I have a, I have an issue. I hate to bring it up here in the podcast, oh, but I no. find it's necessary Please now. Please do. Um, I'm a little concerned with my contract. Oh. No, I I, 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 you guys probably, my, our listener probably doesn't realize this, mm-hmm. but I don't get compensated hourly. I get a percentage. Of the
0: <laughs> total of gross
1: percentage of the yeah percentage of the total total income now, and I noticed uh, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly comfortable trying to live on my percentage of the gross. What exactly <laughs> is our? I haven't seen the I haven't seen our accounting records in quite some time. What exactly is our total growth so um, far this year? It's because they don't exist. They don't uh, exist. But what's the sum? <laughs> oh, what's why? the exact amount <laughs> um, of of our total? Well what's our net income actually? Let's just start with that.
0: Technically we're in the negative. Negative income? Because I pay for the SoundCloud uh, subscription every month to right. to post it on the well, website. Well that comes out of your pocket. That's it does.
1: that doesn't affect the net.
0: <laughs> so so I'm it paying, affects your net. I'm paying twelve bucks a month for SoundCloud. All right.
1: Then what's the gross? Then what's the gross income then? Let's let's work on with that then. Forget about the net. Yeah,
0: okay. The gross would uh, would still gross be income. zero income. It's a free podcast. The gross
1: income is zero. <laughs> The gross income is zero, you're telling me,
0: yeah.
1: in rough terms, roughly, but exactly how much? We should get a sponsor (laughs) to cover these costs. (laughs) And I'm getting a percentage of that zero, which I've yet to see. Um, Yes. It seems like I should be getting more, a higher percentage.
0: Um, Well, yeah, if you divide by zero, I mean. You I mean, um, can divide by you, zero. You so that, multiply by it. Multiply by multiply, it. I'm not going to get anywhere get...
1: dividing by that. Tell
0: me what percentage of zero you want, and I'll give you that. <laughs> I'd
1: like double what
0: I'm currently getting. That would be satisfactory. All right. I think that, that would. That you would satisfy. Double of zero. Okay. <laughs> Which is what I'm getting. Excellent. So I'm
1: getting twice as much as you.
0: Yes. Um. Th- this is indirectly being sponsored by. Uh, Hank Frazee and Company, and life insurance. <laughs> Cause
1: that's paying paying As long right as now. I'm getting twice as much of you.
0: <laughs> it is. It's interesting you say that, though, because that was Kevin's whole philosophy starting this right. it's free. We post it up for free. Then he's been doing it for seven years. So he had one sponsor <laughs> for like three years. And then he got more as. Right. His, Hosting those files cost money. Can I, I be making more money if we had more than just the one listener out there? Um, possibly. <laughs> you know. I'm going to work we'll, on uh, that we'll then. We'll have to do a fundraiser. <laughs> a car wash or something.
1: How about a money raiser? I'll, do... <laughs> I'll sell yeah, all those brownies I'm not eating. All right. Okay, so that's enough of that noise. Uh, back to Simon and Garfunkel. And our, our uh, movie those guys for are tonight. really tremendous. That's right.
0: Well, before we go there, um, it's almost Thanksgiving, and, okay. and I have this memory, I have this story, because. Does our worked... listener celebrate Thanksgiving? Oh, no, they're Native American mostly, okay. so it's kind of a sore <laughs> subject for them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they like to overlook it. All right. Um, no, when I was at UCI. Um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, sometimes you have tests, but the the Spanish teacher in particular Kind of a celebratory
1: said, pre-Thanksgiving midterm. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't think that was a technical term for it, but...
0: Because a lot of people, you know, traveled right. or went up north. Right. Because you got the four-day weekend. You take off Wednesday, you got five right. days. Right. He's like... Basically, now you're going to be here on Wednesday, right to take you know? the test yeah, that's what most of the teachers said, right so we've got to take a lot of stuff on Tuesdays and stuff, All right okay. so uh but the story is, my buddy Mike, who I think you met one time, he was he got he was entering this contest he he's the ultimate life hack pro. Which means um Life Hack Pro. Life hack. He finds he finds this way to like to hack life. Right. Shortcuts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this great stuff. So there's a Saboba Casino is way out I don't even know where the hell it is. Okay. Altadena or somewhere. <laughs> it's you know, it's like two hours away. From UCI. Uh yeah. Maybe. Um and he, there was this radio thing you would kept calling into that was Fox Sports, and he basically won seven hundred dollars of free credit to Saboba Casino, and it was like a pretty easy contest, but you could only win once. So he called and won, and then he used like his daughter's name and called and won, or used her phone number, and then I called the number and I won. Okay. And then, so I went with him once to this thing, and we and we did it Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, I did like a half day, got off at noon or something. We met somewhere, you know, in Orange County that we took and off. Then and drove up to, this to the Subobo Casino, casino in Altadena
1: yeah. with your hundreds of dollars of credits. It was just
0: a fun time, because we, we never made a profit as far as... Getting over seven hundred dollars because right. we're spending seven hundred, but right. we made like six hundred bucks, and that was free money. Okay. So Excellent. So split yeah, split
1: it you know. Well, free money is a good story. It
0: was it was free money, yeah. And then I, when I won, I took Jared up there, and, and we went, and we made like seven hundred bucks, and we split the money, and it was good times. Mm. So, anyways.
1: So that's your Thanksgiving story. Yeah.
0: That's the pre-Thanksgiving story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Had nothing to do with your campus activities at UCI or...
0: No, but it, the what spawned it is whenever I think of the Wednesday, I Before think of... Thanksgiving. People are taking off a day early doing the five-day weekend right? and... I remember that Wednesday, you know, being off at that's noon. That's
1: your best pre-Thanksgiving story. <laughs> yeah. The best Thanksgiving ever you,
0: you won Unless money. you have a better one you'd like to share. No. But that's kind of... You're going to be traveling I on came unprepared.
1: I came unprepared with the good Thanksgiving story. It's that's okay. okay. We, we all say. did.
0: No, this is a m- bonus paw. This doesn't count. So well, this can suck, and it's okay.
1: I remember being about six years old when Thanksgiving, and our relatives came, and our relatives lived out in Azusa, out in a relative... Uh, countryside, and uh-huh. and they came over, and so we had, you know, he had the big extended family over for Thanksgiving, and when you have a bunch of family members over, what you think about is home improvement projects that you couldn't do by yourself. At least that's how my dad. Did. <laughs> so <laughs> he's recruiting help. Yeah, he yeah, he had, he had his, he had his uncle who was probably you know retired, but he was like about fifty something. He retired. He was relatively wealthy, and his and his son who was you know, 18 or 19 years and old and healthy. And we'd <clears throat> recently cut down this big, you know, foot and a half diameter tree in mm-hmm. our front yard in Reseda in the suburbs, you know, tract housing thing. And, uh, and but we had the stump there. And so my dad's saying, you know, my dad's like, well, you know, we're all here. It's like eleven in the morning. We got four hours till dinner. How about if we all pitch in? We all dig a little bit, and I got we got picks and axes, and we'll dig out the stump. And they're they're all yeah, that's a good activity. Yeah, making you do chores. Well, they were up on a for holiday. It. They were up for it. It seemed okay. like a challenge to try and get this big stump out. And and so they we dug for about a, you know I'm a little kid so I'm just excited to be out there watching them you know and try to stay out of the way of the of the picks and shovels. And they dig for about an hour and they get most of the dirt removed from around it. And then they're like, yeah, we, this thing's, you know, this is a big stump to dig out. How are we going to get it out of the ground? You know, you, you can't get the chainsaws, you know, deep under it to dig it out. And, and we'll be here forever with axes. Mm-hmm. And, and so then the next thing, you know, my, my crazy half drunk uncle, my dad's, or my dad's uncle actually, but he'd been drinking steadily throughout the day, not just beer, but shots too, you know, while he's working out there. And he's saying, well, how about we just get some a couple of sticks of dynamite out to do it? And he goes, I've got some. <laughs> I don't know if he meant he had some with in the car or. <laughs> That's about at his house out in Azusa that he was gonna bring over. You're like, my can dad's. I see a
0: permit for that?
1: <laughs> and my dad's looking at him like, are you crazy? I mean, you know, because there's main like, out at his house. He does this stuff all the time to his trees because he's you know he's like a he's like a couple his, his property is like a couple hundred yards from any kind of underground um, plumbing or wiring or anything. But we got like sewer mains, you know, like twenty feet from this thing underground and you know all kind of you know pipe lights and stuff like that. <laughs> but he's gonna he's, a he's gonna sketch. blast. Put enough enough dynamite under the stump to blast it. <laughs> disconnect it from the ground. I'm just, you know, it's going to shake up all the houses up and down the
0: street. So did he do it? No. Oh, no. okay. But just the suggestion of
1: it. Well, I'm just trying to imagine how it's not going to throw up enough rocks, you know, to break. Wind. I was a little kid. This was a really anticlimactic story. <laughs> he didn't <even> do it. <laughs> just imagine, <laughs> just the yeah, suggestion of explosives like that in the middle of the suburbs, blowing apart a tree stump, and I'm just thinking how that would. It was an. Ex- exciting thanksgiving for me that's just i guess just the knowledge that i had relatives that had explosives that were willing to
0: (laughs) to bring them into the suburbs (laughs) you're setting the bar low there Uh, that was an early thanksgiving that i remember that
1: was rather then there was a big argument about why we couldn't use explosives that lasted the rest of the day (laughs) and a lot more drinking Uh, the key is to
0: set the bar on the floor step over it. that's the key (laughs) Okay. If if I somehow that's all I got. If I somehow come into money, in the next month, yeah, I want to go up to Seattle and say hi. I'm due for a road trip. Yeah, up there. I was. That's thinking, a long. That's a rather long drive. It is. I've driven it. Um, it is. I've I've driven to Idaho and back before. Yeah. After college, and I have friends in San Jose. That was always my first stop. Yeah. And then, I went from there to. Idaho, went through the top of Nevada, and then on the way back I visited a friend in Portland, and then my longest stretch of driving ever was mm. Portland to San Jose it was a 12-hour drive, pretty much nonstop just for food. Right. That's the kind of thing where I'm just. I'm so tired. I'm slapping myself repeatedly, trying to stay awake, <laughs> listening to loud music, just yeah. doing anything. Yeah. To stay awake, because I knew, like, get to my friend's house in San Jose, I'll be okay. Yeah. What time of year was this drive? This would have been like August, shortly after I graduated. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, July actually, and the movie Inception was out, so I saw that on the way back. Good. That's my uh, marker, but uh, I was thinking because Mike is he's up in Oregon. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if I'm already in Oregon, Washington's not that far from it.
1: Makes all the difference having driving by you know? yourself and having having somebody with you on the drive.
0: Yeah, I always drive solo. Yeah. Because I have no friends. Um, <laughs> Many times I've driven solo. But the they key is like. Somebody with you. If I have somewhere to stop within 12 hours, I'm good. Yeah. I don't mind 12 hours of driving.
1: Mm.
0: I like it. So, if I can find your place, whatever is the 12 hour south of that, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of coordinate it like that. Yeah. Anyways, so, Ferguson happened, I don't care about that. Okay. Mike T, okay. So, um, this is a bonus pod. Yeah, we're going to do The Graduate. This is the... Mike Nichols passed away recently.
1: Um, We just did... um, Catch-22. Catch-22.
0: Which I chose for Chris. Yeah. I didn't want to watch it.
1: He watched it against his will. I forced him to. I had to explain. I watched it out of of an obligation and curiosity standpoint. It's a tricky movie to really appreciate only watching it once. (laughs) Caleb hadn't yeah. watched it in years and probably didn't, you know. Yeah. So to really it's get not that movie. It's fresh in the memory. Right. To really get that movie, um, the I mean, the conversations are interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's challenging. But because it's so far out of sequence, it's hard to ex- understand exactly what what the chronological sequence of events was in order for it to really make sense. And so to do, to get that part right, to really appreciate it, you probably have to watch it three or four times. Uh, with a couple breaks, you know, break, you know, taking breaks to sort of discuss it. It's
0: true, and I just don't relate to it as much. Right. It's not exactly my cup of tea to resonate, not because I've never been in the Army or anything, but yeah. just sort of the attitude. There's a movie that just came out called Whiplash about a drummer at a music school doing, like, uh, jazz and swinging swing dance and the instructor is like this really mean guy really J.K. Simmons mean, who's like kind of a, a sergeant yeah, verbally like abusive sergeant. and just
1: like an old school perfection. drill sergeant it seems like yeah I saw that uh, really that movie got really, really got really
0: good reviews and it was really good but just wasn't exactly my cup of tea because oh, yeah. I'm always like if that ha- if, if my teacher was like that, I would leave the first day. Right. Like no, I just don't put up with that. You're just too much kind of a slacker of slacker to ever see that. <laughs> too, you're too goal resistant to ever, <laughs> to ever be in that Especially situation. Especially because like he's not uh, the students aren't getting paid. You know, right. <laughs> like I would have right. to be. I would put up with James Cameron being tough on me. <laughs> <laughs> but not that. If I knew there was a payoff, but right. um, so so I'm too much of a quitter. Uh, Anyways, so so we're doing the graduate now. Yes, much more my cup of tea. I right. love this movie. Right. I think this is one of the greatest films ever made. This is powerful stuff. This is... Uh, Should I do my intro I music? Find that,
1: no, no, not yet. I find that oh. interesting that you would say that, being not being a child of the 60s, not really understanding uh, the generation gap that had occurred.
0: I think it's in, timeless, though.
1: It It is timeless in the sense that we mm. all find a point we reach maturity and we rebel against our parents' values. I and do understand
0: generation the, uh, gaps as a concept though. So I can resonate with that.
1: Yeah. Um I guess it's just this was the first really significant one to happen. Yeah. Um prior and it all goes back to World War 1 and and basically a generation being killed off during World War 1 so that you had the the people over 40 say that survived World War I, mm-hmm. and then their children who basically fought in World War Two, and when that when when the when the soldiers came back from World War II, they basically had the the baby boomers, um, and they were and there was there weren't a lot of people in between, the the parents and the, the parents of the baby boomers and the baby boomers, there was just not a lot. Yes. So there was there was that just that gap of, left uh, that uh, as a result of World War One. And yeah, massive numbers, right? And uh, just unimaginable wealth for the baby boomers in Mm -hmm. America, as a result of America being the only country with its economy intact after World War One. Every other country, basically, their factories were wiped out. And through the America through the fifties, America was supplying was the only factories left standing, supplying the world. Just having unimaginable wealth, um, just across all the demographics, basically. Mm-hmm. Um and and huge growth and so these baby boomers um looking at, you know, the establishment that their parents had and and trying to dec- you know deciding if that's what they wanted with, you know, everything that their parents the 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 values that their parents had and that's what this movie is about is this established parents um their their values, their culture and and uh Dustin Hoffman is this guy who's finished school he's finished basically his obligation towards his parents to graduate from school with a degree to be respectable and now what is he going to do with his life you know is he going to go to grad school um you know was he going to is he going to get a uh, you know what's his career going to be uh, we're, I don't think it ever mentioned exactly what his degree was in if he he you no know, mentioned that he interned with any companies he's it's got, true it
0: mentioned he was on the track team that he was an editor um, for the paper. Yeah, something. That he won so, a, a good student, it seems. Yeah, he won an really award. Really good grades. Some kind of an award, a harp, a
1: uh, award for something, um, but, and his his father and his father's business partner, um, have a business, but it's not you know you don't you don't hear what that business is. It's never mentioned. They they both seem to live comfortably in these sort of mansions, you know these really large houses. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it's intentional to show the faceless side of it, to take away certain details, right. because they represent.
1: Because then you project. They represent the sort. Thing they represent it, yeah. the establishment.
0: Exactly. And you know, having been, um, I can relate a lot to Ben. You know, having graduated, and that that feeling of I have no idea what I want to do with my life. He comes. Ah, instantly! I love sympathetic characters. So instantly, he's he's in a state of melancholia. Right, we see him coming back on the yeah, Uh
1: and, but but we're we're just he's setting lost. up. I'm just just setting up the character now. So this this, oh, okay. is, this Ben comes in and he's a college student and he just comes in as sort of this blank blank slate. He doesn't know what he wants to do. He's just absolutely yeah.
0: Because up until that point, his whole life has been planned out. It's
1: been dictated to him.
0: So it's um, 12, 4, 5, it's 16 years of school, right, that he just did. And that's very relatable, is to have the structure of school and say, okay, now what? Yeah. And to have that stress and that anxiety and, and to be worried about it. Right. And and this is a movie that's
1: resonated throughout the generations. It's impacted um, the whole filmmaking industry.
0: Because notice there's, there's like no characters in their 20s in this movie. So it's just, you're either like t- 21 or younger or you're 40. Right, and that's the generation gap. Yeah. So already established, already have a career, already have the thing exactly. going on. Exactly. So he has no one to go to to sort right. of figure this out. Right
1: now, one of the landmark features of this film is that it has um, Simon and Garfunkel has a pop uh, do the sound do the music for this. It's it's got this pop music. Yes. Soundtrack. Uh, prior to this movie, we found out um, all the movie soundtracks were basically orchestral, sort of this mm-hmm. classical, um, the classical orchestras in the background that were that were doing the. Uh, doing the music, and this is the first time we had had uh, pop music um, being played, and and really in a very real sense, it's the beginning of the music video. You have these mon- photo montages in the movie um, where the music is up front, the lyrics of the song are up front, the mood is is dictated um, more by the song and these photo montages, and that's the essence of a good music video. Which yeah, which didn't really uh, uh, which came into their own in the eighties with with music t v um, in the late sixties, you'd have uh, movies like uh, the Beatles a Hard Day's Night and Yellow Submarines mm-hmm. and these other you know movies that um that would feature you know a lot of rock and roll and pop music and stuff. Um, this movie is about the telling a story. Um a love a sort of a love triangle.
0: A very complicated uh, cultural, love. Cultural <laughs> Yeah, cultural what do you want I'll to say here? Waste. Like a
1: cultural um, apocalypse. The change of values. It's a change of, of <laughs> status of values, a cultural revolution in a way of this generation. And it's told with a pop music background and it's 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 iconic, it still holds up today. Um it violated when, when they did it, they violated a lot of the classic rules of cinematography and, um, and, and, uh, movie Just production. violated in, them. In, in, well, in the way that they used the, <laughs> in the way that they use the, uh, the lighting, um, you know, usually you want a comedy, the, the rule, the rule previously was that you used, if you're doing comedy, you wanted to brightly lit scenes, um, the constructions of the scenes, the the angles of the shots, all these things were breaking a lot of, of, uh, of filmmaking rules, and uh but it was extremely successful in every violation of those rules of it those was. guidelines.
0: Mike Nichols was quite the trailblazer. Uh, really yeah. pushed the envelope. And his stuff, you know, they're not fully comedies. They have a lot of comedy in them.
1: Right. Well, the right. early scenes were very comedic in this movie.
0: Yeah. And as we saw though, he puts everything in it. He whips you back and forth on this emotional right. roller coaster of all the stuff going on. Right so that's part of his talent as a filmmaker and, and and there's so many movies today that pay
1: homage to the graduate mhm um you seen
0: World too that
1: uh, that have the also class- become classics <laughs> well I, I think of uh of uh what was the tom cruise's breakthrough movie um cocktail no 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 uh risky business risky business and you have the scene you know with the sunglasses and mm-hmm. Uh, which is clearly an homage to the Graduate. You know, he's a kid that's, that's he's on his he's he's becoming independent from his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know making up his own rules. And he puts on you know Tom Cruise in Risky Business puts on the sunglasses, and he and he and he becomes his own man. Similar, uh, totally stolen from from the Graduate scene where we see, um, Dustin Hoffman losing his innocence to this mature woman, and then he's. You know the next scene. He's got the sunglasses on. He's got confidence. He's in the pool and he's his own man. All of a sudden, he's you know he's gone from the from the victim, from the innocent, from the naive, from the lost little boy, in, into a guy to a stud with a big the, penis. To the stud who's gonna <laughs> make up his own rules. He's gonna you know he's he's re, he's not in a hurry to do anything. He's yeah. he's kind of done just accepting whatever his parents tell him to do.
0: Yeah, the first time he's in the pool, he's forced in there in a scuba suit and he's tank, ent- reluctantly in there. <laughs> he's
1: he's, he's complaining to his parents, he doesn't want to do this, he's not going to do this, but he, he ultimately complies and he's a clown. And you have the symbology of him being under the water. Against his will, being stuck there, not knowing how to get out, Probably keeps pushing him down. Get right, down he just submerged and he's stuck there. He looks Tussed like an the idiot. the oxygen tank. Right, he looks like a complete idiot dressed in the scuba gear coming out. With the spear. And his parents are just loving it. You know, they're just they're they're in their own that they somehow think that this is just wonderful that their son has all the scuba gear on. <laughs> they're just making a mockery of him um, in front of all their. All their friends. They like, you know, like to show off the I toys, you know, show exactly. off the, the new things they got. Exactly. And and he's, he he, you know, it's just, the message in the movie is that he's not respected as a person. He's mm-hmm. just a symbol of their wealth, of of their success. He's one of their sort of mantelpieces. Oh, you know, this is our new car. This is our fancy house. This is our son who's graduated from college and he's just another one of their trophies to be displayed. Um, and, and all that's... Uh, the the fact that he's he's subservient is that he keeps being shown underwater and being forced underwater mm-hmm. now after after uh he does the deed with and Banc- Bancroft Mrs. Uh, Robinson with Mrs. Ra- Robinson and now he's on top of the water he's lounging around after from then on we see him on top of the water lounging around with the sunglasses and he's more or less in control up to the point where his parents push back and they force him against his will to date, to go on this date with Elaine, or they're going to invite over all the Robinsons and sort of open yeah, this can and of worms. This big and dinner party. he gets he gets thrown off of his his uh, flotation off of his little uh, inflatable uh, uh, float in the pool that he's on, and back into the swimming pool. And so, uh, but and there's all these wonderful little. Sort of images and yeah. imagery in the movie and, and I
0: want to give credit to his parents, mr and mrs uh, Braddock Braddock, because like they're good people, they're loving they're supportive yeah. even if they get caught up in the keeping up with the Joneses or whatever, and they yeah it's it's makes sense you have one child, you want him to succeed, you did just pay for his college right you you bought him a car and uh, ben isn't taking advantage of that, but it's, it's not about the conflict between him and his parents. Right. That's just how we're orienting where he's coming from and what he's trying to figure out. Cause it's sort of this great example of having nothing to rebel against in the age of rebellion with people growing long hair and, and, uh, drugs and and stuff. Right. He's he's a square guy. He's just this blank slate. So he has no fight of his own, no no passion, no quest. And it's, this like is like different people at the this time. This is
1: really a strange element to the movie because he's he's been to college on the East Coast. and He's mm-hmm. coming to California. He comes into LAX. He comes into California. Uh Pasadena. Is, he, he, yeah, he he chases Elaine to Berkeley, which is really um center the center, the center you know, of the, the liberal activity and the protests and the agitator agitation and all these sort of protests and the and this cultural revolution in one sense um and and you know you you think of California as the fruits and the nuts and these long hairs and these sort of hippies and stuff and and we don't see any of that in the movie even with, even the scenes at uh at Berkeley you know they're shooting the they're shooting these scenes at at Berkeley supposedly. And we're not really seeing any of these long haired or these but also, any of this stuff.
0: There's sort of this whole suburbia subgenre of film that this film kicked off where it's not really talking about the times of the day as far as like Vietnam or, or right. the President or what's going on for the late sixties, but it's like this suburban well, they, drama and these characters. Actually this
1: when did this movie when did this movie first come out? It came out in sixty seven. So it was 67. really pretty early for the for the war protests and the hippies mm-hmm. in that sense. Yes. Um, it was it was still uh folk music was the was was mainstream was like in the popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um the Beatles had broken um and you know there were a lot of of rock bands that were being introduced but they were still had a very sort of folk sound.
0: Yeah, these them. guys broke. But it's it just he he's telling a specific story. I'm also thinking like of American Beauty or Ordinary People, okay. some suburban stuff where you don't have to have this big outside awareness of social issues or political issues right. to to tell your story. That's a character piece, right? In a character study. It it it's a character study. You introduce as much from the outside as you need to. Yeah, just the minimal amount to tell. Yeah, just just yeah. only. Yeah, everything's gotta. Everything's gotta be specific to the story and significant in the story. And everything they want to say about the generations, you can essentially say with those five adults. Right. The the two sets. Well, that's of parents what he does. He doesn't even give any. He and the guy even... who says plastics. You can tell the whole story. Right.
1: There. And the older generation they don't even get first names. That's how, how sort of vague they are. They're all Mrs. Braddock and Mrs. and my yeah. parents and mom and dad. You can probably and speak Mrs. to that Rob... more than
0: me. That that's what you called your friend's parents.
1: Right. Well they're Mr. It's, it's Mrs. An element, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. It, it's an element of respect. Mm-hmm. Um but they're set apart from the younger generation. The younger generation is, you know, Elaine and Ben or Benji or Benjamin. Um and then Mrs. Robinson, all through the whole affair, he never calls her anything but Mrs. Robinson. Throughout the whole movie, she's never... We don't know her first name.
0: It's true. I mean, basically all my... The adults
1: my... don't call... even You don't even hear the adults calling each other by their first names.
0: It's true, and I think that was intentional. It was funny, Harold Ramis, rest in peace on the special features, right. said, like, everything in this movie is intentional mm. and and done on purpose to make a point. So I think that is... Yeah. a point that it, it could be anyone's very parents significant or mom and dad, exactly
1: they're adults they're, there's mm-hmm. a very distinct difference between the adults and the of, yeah and the, the and the kids yeah and, and and the one exception is benjamin when he's at the hotel with Missus robinson he checks in as mr gladstone mm-hmm. there he's not known as benji to the staff of the hotel he's known as mr gladstone Yes, not yeah, Benji, but ben... he's he's respected as an adult in that affair. <laughs> he he said, so in that in that sense. When he takes on Mrs. Robinson and goes to the hotel and does the deed, he transfers over into this other world of the adults. Mm-hmm. And the world of the adults is very interesting. Um, the world of the adults, you're playing a role. You're forced to conform. You play by these very specific rules. You, imagery is everything. Um, that's what counts. And this is what the hell of being Mrs. Robinson is—is is she doesn't like it, um, and we and we get into her. That's not
0: interesting. De- so it's it's symbolic that he takes the name Mister. Mister Gladstone.
1: Very right. that they call him by that. That's interesting. Right, right. because yeah. he's now he's conforming to these rules to this 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 adult society. This. Uh,
0: oh, you said something intelligent. I mean, well, from time impressive. to time, it's going to happen.
1: <laughs> wow. Um. I didn't catch that. Right and 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 this this adult world is uh, very shallow you know we talked about the they're they're all about showing off their their achievements and their prizes like so many trophies you know you see the the size of the house as mentioned uh the fact that you know Benjamin got his Alfa Romeo sports car the name Alfa Romeo um not reliable um but it you know it's got a certain amount of dignity it's a historic um name
0: is it like okay. jaguar
1: yeah, in the italian yeah it's it goes. it's, yeah, it it's looks old great. yeah uh it's 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 it ranks up there with like Jaguar and like aston Martin and some of these other cars as being it's it's got a certain dignity, a certain history of auto uh among the automakers the um it, one of the one of the adults refers to it as a what did you call it a wop sports car, little red wop
0: Okay. A convertible or
1: something like that. Sure. He, he degrades as as Italian, but Alf, But the fact that they mention that it's Alfa they say the name Alfa Romeo before they get to that part, is that they're distinguishing. You know, this brand is significant, uh, and Which and is, the scuba it, suit is important. You know, he talks about okay. a two hundred dollars scuba suit. That this is important. This is what they're showing up. Um, everything, everything, every one of the parents' achievements. You know, is is significant to them. Is important to them. There's this. There's this. There's this imagery. This. This very shallow sort of achievement thing that's important to them, uh, to be respectable, and Mrs. Robinson's caught up in it, and she's not happy about it.
0: It's a funny note with the car, because it doesn't seem like his personality. And when Mrs. Oh, Robinson right. wants to ride home, he's like, "Just take the car." And Here's tosses the car. her the keys. Yeah,
1: right. you know, to, you know how to drive a foreign stick.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. well,
1: I think he says it because mostly because American cars don't have stick shifts. It's. Not that there's a difference between a foreign stick shift and a domestic shift in the in the shift pattern per se, um, but he says there's a foreign shift. In other yeah. words, it's a stick shift, not an automatic. But isn't that she at says all she worried. makes the excuse, "No, I don't know how to drive, how to drive one of those. You're going to have to drive me."
0: And just not at all worried about a stranger driving his car. Mm-hmm. More know, concerned about getting it. caught
1: with Mrs. Robinson. She wants. She knows that she wants something from him, and uh, and he's 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 scared of yeah. her. Yeah. He's just scared of this adult yeah. world that he's that he's being expected to join.
0: It's true and I think at that point before the drive he just kind of doesn't want to be bothered. Right. Um, he just wants to be left alone. Try—he's trying to get her to leave this bedroom, right? To, no, he's mortified. He's
1: scared. He's—he's—he goes to this party, and his parents introduce him to come down, and all he wants to do is get away and be alone in his room. He's just scared of this adult world that he's being asked to conform to. And yeah. they're asking him all kind of questions about what he's going to do, and you know, and and what his achievements are, and about his awards, and all these very specific details about his life. And he doesn't want to face this thing. He, you know, he, he doesn't want to face. He's he's scared to death of his future. You know, he doesn't want to join this adult world. We can assume that he's he not, hasn't
0: seen these people in four years, right? You know, aside from his own parents,
1: right? But he he, but he he's, hasn't
0: seen Elaine since high school. You know, this is not
1: right. Right. So he's, uh, so he's not ready to join the, this 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 world of theirs. I have he doesn't a appreciate it.
0: They say at the party, the mom says, "Oh, so and so came all the way from Reseda.
1: From Tarzana.
0: Oh, from Tarzana. Yeah. So the, was yeah, that it's... the Robinsons, or is that just any some random I don't, couple?
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't. Wouldn't have been the rob. Wouldn't. I don't think it was the Robinsons there, <laughs> but Tarzana is a is a prestigious, more or less prestigious neighborhood. Uh, in the 60s? They, did, they didn't in the movie they didn't really name the neighborhood that the that the Robinsons' home was in. It was a big yeah. mansion. We know
0: Benjamin is in Pasadena, according to. Wikipedia. Well, that's according to
1: Wikipedia, but in the movie they don't state it. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think they stated it, it was Pasadena. Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tarzana would not have been as impressive as as uh, Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Hancock Park, or Pasadena. Those are all yeah. more old school, big mansions, uh, bigger money areas. Uh, Tarzana. In Tarzana, you have somebody like uh, today. There's a lot of celebrities live in Tarzana, I believe. Or uh, Tarzana is like next to Encino. It's in the hills. Um, I believe. Chuck Norris. His 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 home is in Tarzana.
0: Named after Edgar Rice Burroughs. Tarzan. Tarzan, yeah. 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 He owned a lot of property out there. Yeah. Um, but I was just.
1: But it's it's not as a statue. I was uh, I was just connecting the dots
0: that, you know. Like this wasn't a next door neighbor, right? That he would have seen Elaine if he had come home for winter break. Like you'd have to go out of your way to drive right. to someone's house at right. least, you know, some distance. So this wasn't like next door, right? All the way
1: from Tarzana.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just saying, you know, right. then, you know, the they kept saying like I've known you since you were a boy, boy, yeah. you know, yeah. it was kind of that relationship, right, with these people, right. And I like the contrast of the adults in the film because you have uh, Mr. Robinson saying, you got to sow your wild oats, and the, this is a great scene where Mrs. Robinson is right there. Oh, <laughs> right. He's been telling him to to sow the oats with her. Right, right, a,
1: right. Not realizing, real yeah, telling the guy that's doing his wife to sow his wild oats.
0: Yeah, something like, yeah, you're a handsome man. Isn't he a handsome guy? <laughs> yeah. Honey, isn't he? <laughs> Yes, yes wife. he is. Yes. It is uh, you know. yeah. Shouldn't he get out there and uh, you know just have fun for a while?
1: Right. Well, one of the one of the great scenes in this is he's he's come home from college. He doesn't know what he wants to do. This guy McGuire, who we don't know anything about, but takes him aside, yeah. takes him, pulls him for adamant Exciting. about it. here, come outside to Tell you something. This is important. Plastics. Plastics. This is your, this is the future. Plastics. Um, and Carefully
0: to, chosen word.
1: Yeah, very very distinct, and uh, and it, it's got a different. Uh, we were discussing. It's got a way different um, uh, sense about it today mm-hmm. than it did back in the '60s. In the '60s, plastic was it. It, it stood for um, something that was imitation. Mm-hmm. You think in terms of um, cheap. Yeah, cheap and temporary. Um, plastic was was the te- was the cheap forks that you would take on a picnic as a, as opposed to your silverware or your mm-hmm. china you know you'd have plastic dishware that's the kind of that's the kind of association that you had with plastic um in a proper uh in a in an elegant car in a, in a distinguished car. your dashboard was going to be you know a a wood or a, you know a, an oak or a mahogany or a walnut or some kind of nice grained wood. Um, and you know, and steel, um and, and, and leather. And today, you know, it's common for cars to have plastic. plastic, everything's plastic and vinyl. Um for a number of reasons. Not because not just because it's cheaper, although it way is, but the plastic is lighter, uh, it's safer, you can make it so it's soft and you have all these foam uh and, and so when you know, if there's an accident for safety reasons you want and performance reasons you want it to be plastic. Um but back then Plastic was the only reason you used plastic was because it was cheap mm-hmm. and and when you used plastic um you made it look like it was something else you you painted the plastic to look like a wood or a metal or 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 stone or something else, so it was always an imitation it had this connotation of imitation and cheap um and uh and just really kind of gauche you know just kind of an obnoxious material to use. Um, and well, with the electronics and everything now, plastic is, is an ideal because you can mold it into so many different shapes. And so it's, it's very extremely functional and, and it's the, the idea of plastic now is because it performs so well, it's, it's got so many engineering features that we appreciate. It's got a way different con, and it's and we use it in everything. It's got a way different connotation, but in the sixties, mm-hmm. um, you wanted stone, you wanted, you wanted expensive metals you wanted uh, steels and silvers and gold and and fine grain woods and. I haven't leather. been
0: this excited since vacuum tubes. This is <laughs> well, <sorry. stimulating. laughs>
1: but but he tells them plastics and it's so obnoxious. Yeah,
0: McGuire it's, is is but he's saying like this is this the is, up and coming business this is to up- get into. Right. Like, and, plastic is only going to get bigger and. And what Benjamin's hearing yeah. is, this is horrible. This is like
1: somebody telling you, pick, you
0: like the boringest thing. Should, well, it's not boring; it's into. just
1: degrading. It's obnoxious to tell them that this is a career for him. It's like somebody telling you, you know what? You, you know, I see a tremendous future for you in in uh, Accounting. working a cash register. Yeah. <laughs> a cash register is the tool for you. That's what you want to learn. You, yeah. know? you get to handle all the money. Tech support. You know, or or, or or to tell a young woman, you know, you know the you know the place for you to make money: yeah. pornography. And it's just, it it might be. Sound, I don't know about that. You said that before. I said that I'm before. Not
0: quite buying, and masks. it's
1: just because it's so degrading. It's like you're young. You have all these dreams. You're idealistic. You're ambitious, and somebody just bring you right down to earth and say, "No, this is, you know, this is the quick, easy way to do things. You want to get into this?" And and it's just, it's just. This is what he's trying to avoid: is this adult world of this phoniness and this cheapness, and it's all about having all these sort of, you know, this imagery and 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 just tedious and he doesn't he, he this is the future that's hell for him to see that this is where his life's going to be
0: yeah that's that's the symbolism of plastics
1: yeah and and, and this is the what, old
0: way of life
1: it's it's not old it's phony it's just all this phony mm-hmm. these people are all phony they're all trying to be this you, you know his parents and the robinsons and sure they're Christ. all they're all portraying these sort of successful personas but they're not happy mhm They're not happy. They're not imaginative. They're just competing with each other for who's got the prettiest toys. A very shallow existence.
0: And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want this plastic sort of life. And for me, it's funny when he says plastic. Because everyone's giving advice. And it's just like... Oh, it's that easy? Plastic? I should just go in? Like, how would I even do that? It's like someone just saying... All right, just get a job. You're out of college. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh, just like that. Yeah. I just go and it's such a simplification, oversimplification. It's, of exactly. It's yeah. like not helpful advice at or all. Right. <laughs> really. Right. It's like just one word for you. You know. Yeah. Plastics. It's like oh, okay, anyone can say. You know, three words. Get a job. Yeah. Oh, well, not exactly. that easy there. No, lots to consider.
1: Yeah, but it's but it's this is this is this is what it's like for this kid back in the 60s and it's just everybody so many college students coming out of school can identify with this you know they've gone to school they've got these huge dreams of how they want to change the world and somebody's you know and, and when they come home to their parents everybody sees them as this, the kid that they were back in high school um, and that's sort of helpless and useless and they're going to tell them you know get them started in their little career you know kind of thing just so degrading patronizing um, and not what they want
0: yeah. Not big, at all
1: what they want. These aren't the people that they want to become.
0: Right. Yeah, big college boom at the time. So, you know, kind of this prestigious thing. You know, this is a good good place to be in life. Right. Um, so just that contrast between sow the wild oats, you know, get involved in plastic. Um, the father's more balanced, you know. Yeah, yeah it takes take some time off, but really start looking at something. Right.
1: Oh, and, and through this part, it's kind of a hard movie to watch because Dustin Hoffman plays this guy is so angst ridden he's just so mm-hmm. nervous and tortured and frustrated you know he just he, he's totally uncomfortable in his own skin he just he wants to be left alone he's nervous he's he's got this high pitched voice that he answers he's scared shitless of <laughs> everybody he's just trying to hide from everybody he just wants to be alone in his room to hide, and he gets uh, he gets cornered by Mrs. Robinson. Mm-hmm. And she's the perhaps in a sense maybe the scariest one of all. You yeah. Think?
0: But exactly what the doctor ordered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's he's suspicious of her. He doesn't know which you know he can't imagine what she what she wants. She asks him ostensibly for a ride home. He's like, take my car, run, to yeah. get out of here. Just trying to run away. Just trying to just know this knows can see that this is trouble coming. Mm-hmm. He he can't you know he he's afraid to accuse her of doing something. You know, unseemly. Yeah, he's, he's just scared about him, yeah. it. Even though he's right, he's completely right. <laughs> completely, he's reading the situation correctly. He can't imagine that you know what she wants with him. You know, yeah. He can't imagine that he's right, but he you know, but he's he's is his worst fear, his worst nightmare. And he's like, you know, uh, and and so she keeps she won't take no for an answer though. She you know she's she's so demanding and authoritative and. You know, oh, walk. This is ridiculous. Walk me to the door. I can't go into this house. It's dark. He's going. There's lights out in there. And, no, you yeah, must come in. I can't around. be alone in the house. And she forces him. You know, you can see, uh, just pressures him against his will to come into the house. Mm-hmm. And he finally has the courage, musters up the courage. He's out there at the bar with her legs, you know, spread seductively, and uh, and these camera angles are just genius. The way they're showing, you know, him silhouetted in black and breaking sort of all these rules, but showing her. As this temptress, and she's laughing and comfortable. She's in her own house. She's she's she, every time, everything she suggests. You know they're getting more alone, closer together. She's getting more relaxed. He's getting more nervous and frustrated and tense. He he can't imagine that this is a good place for him to be. You know he's worried that that her husband's gonna come home. He's all concerned about how people are gonna see him, mm-hmm. um, and she just will not let him. Off the hook, she insists he have a drink, strong liquor, just straight bourbon. She gives him. <laughs> uh, when he doesn't even want to have a drink, all he wants to do is get out of there and go home and sit in his room. And and she's telling him, "No, you can't go home. You can't leave me here alone. You know, I'm I'm scared. You know, you, you know." And and he finally accuses her of trying to seduce him. She laughs. He's dead on accurate, and he laughs, and it's just the most hilarious thing. And he's like, "Oh, finally, okay, she's not trying to seduce me. Woo! We can laugh about it now. I'm yeah. so sorry. I apologize. That was ridiculous of me to, to to think that. I apologize for that. But she won't let him go home. Yeah. Then, then he has to go upstairs with her somehow.
0: Well, well, she says, "Want to see the portrait of Elaine?"
1: Elaine. He's like, "Anything to get me out of this." Close- and, and
0: he believes it too. He's yeah. like her portrait. Sure, okay. That seems safe. I go up there, yeah. Get your, you know,
1: anything to do with your daughter's got to be safe. Sure. Yeah.
0: And, was, you know, they mentioned that great shot of he's looking at the portraits. He's the reflection of Mrs. Robinson. naked Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, who's now undressed. And has come into this
1: ambushes him. <laughs> She's taking off clothes. He's got to unzip her oh, dress. Oh, and he's man. going, no, yeah. I can't take your dress off. Damn it, Benjamin. You don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I need help. I can't do this. You just unzip the thing.
0: He's very and, fixated on Mr. Robinson. He's Yeah, well, he
1: knows that he, he, he can't think of a reason. There's just the two of them there. Mm-hmm. And she's asking him for the smallest of favors. And he can't think of a, you know, why wouldn't he help her unzip her dress or do this thing? And then he's, you know, but he's thinking, if somebody walked in, this looks terrible. You know, I can't, this is not good. And she's going, oh, don't be ridiculous. He won't be home for hours. And then it strikes him, hours, no! Yeah. (laughs) I'm trapped. He's thinking that he's going to be there any minute now. And, you know, it's... And he does. He shows up. And then he does. She hears the car (laughs) pull into the driveway. (laughs) But he's so scared of her. She, what is it? She asks him to go get her purse from downstairs while she goes to the bathroom. But he doesn't want to take her purse up the stairs. He's going to, like, throw it up the stairs and run.
0: Okay, it's on he's, the top step now. Okay. She's like,
1: <laughs> just, just, just tell him, Benjamin, don't be ridiculous. Bring that purse up here now. You know, just Man, totally he, taking control. He likes following orders. This is just the ultimate cougar right here. This is great stuff.
0: Yeah, and and you know, it's more of a taboo that she's married right. than that she's a cougar. Right. And and this is where the he movie... used to that. But he's he's always like worried about the guy. Right now and 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 this whole this whole here's not want to be a home this right
1: whole now. seduction that he goes through in this uh this this for him is a total nightmare he's tense but it's hilarious to watch yeah <laughs> it's just it's just so amusing this is like total comedy it's just brilliant brilliant in its comedic uh because really you have because because the woman is first of all it's freeing because the woman is in control classically it's mm-hmm. the man pursuing the woman and here we have the cougar going after her prey. It is fantasy personified. He is, he is so vulnerable. So we have the re, the role reversal of the woman going after the guy which
0: uh huge male fantasy yeah. put on screen. Yes. A woman initiating sexually aggressive right. You know, mother. I'm mother, su- I'm sure you could relate to this. Yeah, older no, this is, women. Well, this is good it's stuff elders. for me.
1: But he's just so scared. And and the he stuff resonated. he's saying is so re- you know the He's He's got these high-pitched little whimpers that he's he's venting, and he's moaning and his complaints and the dialogue. You know, he's so dumb. You know, he's, he's a college graduate, and the things he's saying are so, the excuses that he's trying to make to get out of there are so dumb. He just doesn't have, you know, he doesn't quite have the courage to get up and just leave, and every time he announces he's going, she's, she makes him come back against his will until he's finally, you know, staring at her naked. She traps him against the door. And uh and he bolts for it, he finally gets her gets out of there, gets out the door and he's running, just scared.
0: Plays it very well.
1: Yeah, just well
0: played. The first half of this movie specifically is is like literal perfection. Like there's nothing I would change about it. Yeah. Just every frame is gorgeous, every beat works, every line just crafted. is just crafted. so well crafted and then in typical Nicholas fashion he's taking you in a different direction the second he half. shifts gears
1: it, beca- it goes yeah. from being
0: sort of this comedy to this drama this intense drama where and it surprised me cuz i thought the mrs robinson stuff was like 75% of the movie it's yeah it's more and like then the pursuing elaine was like but it's
1: well, when, as soon as elaine comes into the picture this is mrs robinson's nature yeah. changes she changes from this woman who's in control and, and Elaine finding out and leaving well, just even, even is be- like the halfway point. Right. Well, even be- but, but Mrs. Robinson's transformation takes place as soon as um, they bring up the subject of, El- of, of Elaine's coming to town, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, you can't date her. I forbid it. You cannot date her. Yeah. And her. And her character changes. You can see all of a sudden she's afraid of something. Previously she was in control. She was happy. She's telling them what to do uh he's reluctant but she knows yeah. she can make him conform she was the whole series at the treating him the like hotel. an adult the whole time
0: not mm, as a kid
1: no she's commanding she's telling him to, to undo her dress and stuff so she is uh, once he starts making love to her once he starts once the, once she completes the seduction he's had sex with her okay i'll she, say this she's more
0: more on an equal level she's not treating him like a mother the whole time and uh, it's only when she says, stay away from Elaine, don't date her, right. that she's now, now there's a string attached. The, the, well, the power shifts.
1: Yeah. She had all the power previously. She's now like
0: a mother given a rule yeah. and regulation that this is not the yeah. same now, and he wants to rebel against that.
1: Right. Well, he doesn't want to rebel against it. He's, he's scared to date Elaine, but his parents sort of twist his wrist, and he's caught between... Yeah, cut between Mrs. Robinson
0: and his parents. He's not that interested. I mean, he's getting sex on the regular. He sort of has his appetite filled.
1: Right, and it's, it's his parents' threat that they're going to have the whole Robinson family over for dinner if he won't take Elaine out. Yeah, and so that's marginally worse for him to have to face Elaine and her mother, and Mr.
0: Robinson all at the same time. Then he he makes Elaine cry and feels really bad. Well, really, the 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 mother twirls on the titties, on her head. Oh, on the date during the date, the, right? The, They've got the, the, the tassels. stripper.
1: Yeah, they go the, to the, the titty tassels. They go to the club and the, <laughs> on her head, and uh-huh. the conversation is like, "Oh, can this is amazing? You're missing an amazing effect here. Can you do that? You know, it's just the most Come insulting, on, obnoxious. The <laughs> right? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're missing out. This is this is good stuff." Uh, yeah no, that was almost hard he wants to watch. the date to go day. bad, well, yeah, he wants to scare and it goes her off too far yeah he knows I... he's he knows he's gotta scare her off um uh but he's he's become a different uh you know i, I mentioned that by wearing when he wears the sunglasses and he's and he's sitting in the pool, he's become a man at that point, yeah. you know he's got mrs Robinson and
0: he's 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 securing his masculinity now. he has to be so tough to deal with Mrs. Robinson that he forgets the sensitive mode that Elaine's in. Like she's like a girl, like she's fragile.
1: Uh, to where I don't know that, that he forgets that. Pushes that pushes
0: her off too much. But he's he's such a different person than we saw him when he first came back
1: from college. Where he's he just miscalculates scared of his, when he when he first came back from college. He's at the party. He's scared of his own shadow. He's scared of the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: After he starts getting laid, he's a new man and he's relaxed. Yeah, he's not anxious to do anything. He's just floating in the pool, drifting. And he's he's content. Um, the only thing that's bothering him is that he's sort of uh he's sort of afraid of of his parents finding out what he's doing. You know, mm-hmm. and this confrontation that's gonna come between the Robinsons and his and his parents. And so he's gotta deal with Elaine somehow, but um he's not scared of Elaine when when they go on the date. He's in control. He's he's yeah. completely relaxed. So when you look at who he is with Mrs. Robinson when they're first alone, compared to who he is with Elaine, yeah, when they're alone, it's an
0: act, two different guys. But it ends up being overkill, you know. He he didn't uh, it didn't quite go as planned, right? But he's in control. He's telling her how what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm.
1: He's he's enjoying. He's relaxed. He can be himself. He can talk. You know, he's got control of his his language. Yeah, uh, which he does not when he's with Mrs. Robinson. He can't hardly barely
0: utter anything yeah. intelligible. And you were saying Anything this before, the that. whole irony of it is that, like, he doesn't become the guy worthy to handle Elaine without Mrs. Robinson making him right. that guy. Right, right,
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> without that
0: loss of innocence and that maturity and that's, that change, like the growing pains just, of just, just, that, of that just that of growing up. It's yeah. just that
1: confidence in his masculinity, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he
0: knows that he can please a woman. Yeah, which makes them even... That makes them desirable in Elaine's eyes, I yeah, think. Yeah, which makes... He can convince Elaine to keep the date going, and then they, they have the great conversation over fast food or right. the, the drive-in.
1: Right. Well, they which they realize great. how much they have in common after... Once yeah. He, he, she's so vulnerable. When she's crying on the... She's on the date and she's crying. She's yeah. vulnerable, and he understands it. He relates to her. Yeah. And so all of a sudden he is contrasting he needs this.
0: more emotion than Mrs. Robinson ever showed.
1: Yeah, because he can't get Mrs. Robinson to open up to him. Yes. She's elect- she she goes as far as telling him that she had to get married and and that she does not like her life. She's mm-hmm. miserable. And this is a huge deal. It's like, yeah, well, we had to get married. That's why I married him. But we have separate bedrooms. She's like the
0: first desperate housewife. Right. <laughs> She's, yeah. Pre-Terry She's, Hatcher. They, they have separate
1: bedrooms. Um, she's yeah. not getting sex when she wants it. She's, you know, she's alone and, and, and Mrs. Robinson wants back her youth. Yeah. This is the sad part when you go
0: back and you think about who she is. She's a woman. Yeah. And we don't know that Mr. Robinson is cheating, but he has women on the mind. He keeps sort of pushing this. Yeah. So the wild, I wish I was your age again. you right. know I wish I could do this. You should go out with the land. You know, he's kind of living vicariously whatever, through whatever. Benjamin here. Whatever's going <laughs>
1: Whatever's going on in their life we know that you know, whatever's going on in their life, we know that they're not happily married.
0: They're yes, unhappy.
1: Right. Their relationship with each other is not what they portray it to be when they're when they're out at parties and, and living their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes home and he sleeps and doesn't you know, or she you know, they're, they're sleeping in separate bedrooms, they're not commingling, yeah. they're not doing anything together. They've got completely independent lives. They show up at parties together, and they play these roles. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And but they're not happy. It's the facade. Yeah, we you know we can almost assume that he's not the, that. She doesn't know where he goes at night. Right. You know? We can almost assume that Benjamin's Vice not the first. Versa. Not the first outside relationship she's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, and it's possibly the same for Mister yeah, Robinson. That would have been you know, a good twist. Well, there's, there's, it's not it's not important to the plot whether or not. But it's true. She, she's not it's sad over that. the demise of her marriage. That Benjamin is, you know, this relationship with Benjamin. She's so in love with Benjamin. She has to have it, and now she's going to lose. Yeah. Lose the relationship she has with her husband. She's like, there's no relationship with her husband. That's that's gone. Yeah. But Ben feels crazy guilty. He says this when is he's... this is filthy. It's disgusting. It's no,
0: no. I'm talking about when Mister oh. Robinson visits him at Berkeley and says we're getting a divorce. Oh, right. He feels really bad.
1: Right, because it's come out. It's become public knowledge. Now Elaine knows. Yeah. She's not going to, you know, it's it's destroying her. Or
0: does Mrs. Robinson say that to?
1: No, Mister Robinson. It's Mister Robinson coming to him at Berkeley. Says yeah. You know, but but the ha- time that they're having their affair, at the time that they're having their affair. And Benjamin's been reluctant to do it. She just sort of forced, you know, she just keeps coming on and coming on and won't quit. And and, and after mm-hmm. he's done it, he says, this is disgusting, it's filthy. You I know, thinking,
0: who says that they're getting the divorce? It's Mr. Robinson. It is Mr. Okay He comes, traces him down to his room at Berkeley, to Benj- Benjamin's room at Berkeley. And... and then emphasizes, like, stay away from Elaine. Yeah. You know? Get her out of your head. So, yeah, they, she's, she's an only child which is interesting they're both as well. only child yeah they're both only children so they're sort of these trophy wives and trophy children and it's funny cuz that's sort of that's the pairing that the families want right and that's that's who ends up together right well
1: now nowadays we have the term uh, trophy trophy wife mhm Back then, in the sixties, I don't remember ever hearing I'm thinking that term. of the term arranged marriage. Is what i right. At. Well, there's there's sort of these trophy children, right? These children that've gone off to to good colleges and have these degrees, mm-hmm. and and they have all the toys, and they're all the well mannered, and they you know they play these roles and they have these accomplishments that they can brag, that parents can brag to the, you know, to their friends about. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in the sixties, I don't remember ever hearing the the term, or I don't trophy remember, child. I don't remember in the early seventies <laughs> that the term trophy well trophy wife hadn't i don't remember hearing it in sort of the mainstream it was probably a concept that was very familiar um but uh but yeah these were sort of and these
0: families had sort of the you know the they were wives and the younger wife but they're like the same age usually applies to like a younger wife right or a midlife crisis wife (laughs) right that's like a wife but um right that's true yeah, so I don't think that's.
1: But I think I think the, the husbands, you know, the, the husbands, of the successful businessmen, they're thinking of their wives are sort of these trophies, mm-hmm. and their children are these trophies, so they can't afford to divorce them because then, uh, yeah. then they're marred. You know, the, the in that time, at that time, divorce was sort of a no no. It was a had a terrible stigma to it. People didn't get divorced in the fifties and the early sixties. You know, it only it only you know it only started becoming common
0: in the in the 70s yeah it, it took something pretty bad um so fascinating stuff right that that uh, the second half is interesting to me um, it could have gone in so many different directions right cuz Cause, uh, cause the the structure the structure's perfect mm-hmm. he has this affair there has to be consequence. You know it's not like an end well. Right. So he has to go through a whole act of losing Elaine, losing her, depression, going up there, struggling, getting shit from the landlord, getting shit from, like, everyone. Right. The stuff with uh, Craig Smith or whatever his name was. Uh, yeah. Um, Carl Smith. Carl Smith. Right, but we
1: see the way, and, he, the way he confronts it, he's a different and person. As,
0: as an audience, we have to feel like our hero becomes our anti-hero. And to get back in our good graces, we have to be comfortable with like, oh, there was consequence, and we endured that, got through that, and there's still a happy ending for this guy. Because he can still come out okay. Yeah, we don't know because if that's a happy ending. at the end of the day, it... it it doesn't matter what the parents think. They can make their own decision. Right. To um, you know, I feel bad for Carl Smith on his wedding day. <laughs> he gets a laugh. That's right. A pretty dramatic thing. You know, this is a genius scene. This if you if you watch the story from Carl's perspective, it's, it's yeah, a damn tragedy. Pretty... Right. Right. <laughs> it's pretty effed up.
1: But well, he, he was. It, the it on isn't. Paper it isn't.
0: Doctor. He was the med student. Oh,
1: becoming the doctor. Uh, we we hear what 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 did what did his uh roommates call him? They called him the make out king. Carl Smith was make the out ma- king, yeah. make out king. So we don't feel quite so bad when we see on his he's wedding day that he loses his bride just as he says I do and gets to, is about to kiss her. <laughs> uh he's he's a good looking guy. He's you know, becoming a, a doctor, he's getting his doctorate degree. He's this is your poster boy from, you know, poster California yeah. boys, you know, six five or something like you know, six foot the four whole thing five or is something. Rough.
0: She kinda of rebounds him guy. after... Yeah. The parents are kind of pushing it.
1: Yeah. But but he fights for he fights for this girl. He fights for Elaine. He's chasing her all over up and down the state, you know, California yeah. coast. There might be an
0: element of like do this before we get divorced or something. Yeah. But he That's adding time pressure. He he overcomes he overcomes this pressure
1: from his parents. Um he basically yeah. does not care about her what her parents think or his parents think and and so this is this is yeah, the the big point of going the the battle, after Elaine is, that, he is
0: that he's finally like passionate about something and decisive right and he's going after something right and you know and he doesn't marry Elaine in the end he he overcomes you know, he over, they slow it down a little bit right he
1: he overcomes this crazy cultural uh status sort of uh uh you know this this uh, crazy cultural um, authority structure. Yeah, he, he you know, and it's seen when he he goes he goes into the church and he he pounds against you know there's the marriage ceremony going on. This is all about the nuclear family mm-hmm. and and convention in this church and ceremony and um, uh, an authority. You know, God is represented in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the authority the 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 whole nuclear family is is in the structure of society is represented in this church. He goes and he takes the cross, and uses it to um, escape. He fights off the rest, you know, all the wedding party with the cross. Uses it in the door handles to trap him in the trap. Everybody else in the church and him and the him and Elaine escape. So they're basically escaping from society, escaping from their ex- society's expectations, um, escaping this whole authority structure. Yeah. And and they don't know where they're going. They don't even have his car. You know, he he abandons his car, which is his gift from his parents. He doesn't have anything. They get onto the public bus, the common bus in the back of the bus. Yeah. And And you
0: almost get the impression that they don't even kiss, you know, they're not even embracing kissing. Well yeah, each it's other almost that end. um she doesn't want to be her mother and if she got married at that young of an age before graduating or just at it she could be because that's what was expected of her right down the road she, you know she could her, be miserable her mother is so miserable in her relationship and that's what
1: that's what yeah that's what inspires her to chase uh Benjamin in the first place and i believe maybe the last words in the movie are not the uh, maybe the yeah some of the last words of the movie are they're in the church
0: mhm
1: um she's she's running down the aisle towards Benjamin he's fighting against uh, he, he's pushing off cry. her father. He's fighting off her father. He's picking up the, cross. he's picking up the cross and he's swinging it around to fend off the rest of the, uh, the rest of the people in the church. And her mother's, uh, Mrs. Robinson is yelling at Elaine, "It's too late! It's too late!" And Elaine says, "Not for me, mother." For and me, she yeah. pulls away from her mother and goes with Ben. In other words, you know, her mother's stuck in this thing. In this marriage, she's married. She's stuck in this uh, society's expectations and this sort of trap. Her mother's not getting a divorce. She's so miserable. And Elaine's, even though she's taken the vows and she said, I do, she's abandoning everything Mm -hmm. there in the church. And she's going to break away. And she's not going to accept society's judgments and uh, and expectations. Break
0: away, yeah. And I love I love the way his wardrobe changes from the suits to like wearing a jacket. He has a five <laughs> o'clock shadow and jeans and or the swimming trunks kind of his his yeah. Berkeley outfit. Yeah. You know, Oh right, right. When he's up at Berkeley, he's yeah. yeah he's kind of wearing clothes comfortable to him now. That's yeah. just just his transformation. That's trying character. to unspo- Yeah, right. Not, he,
1: he's just not trying he's to. He's not worried him. about impressing anybody.
0: Yeah, he was wearing suits all the time. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Right, no, he's become a nonconformist, and they escape in this bus—the this symbol, this symbol of the blue-collar, really common, uh, everyday person. Yeah. And and that's what they're not riding off into the sunset. They're just sitting in the back of the bus.
0: So great movie, complex as hell. Yeah, just, just this wonderful imagery, very. Great sp- character piece. Right, right. All this. Just... Mike Nichols is a genius. <laughs> all these this sort guy of is a master. All
1: these sort of, man, cultural, cultural phenomena that you know that you can identify with, and that you, you know that that still resonates today. You know these adi- these attitudes of your parents and society, and mm-hmm. this uh, idea of the future and the past, and and growing up and taking on responsibility, and who yeah. we are, and love, and.
0: So where do I find my cougar? That's
1: a, the question.
0: That's the follow-up. A, one of the biggest dating websites is, pl- is cougars.com. I don't cougar. know how you can not find them. <laughs> Fun fact. This is without inflation. The budget was $3 million. It made $104 million. Of 1967 dollars? Yes. Wow. Without inflation. Wow. Cost three made 104.: million. Wow. Huge profit. That's tremendous. They were just shoveling money into Nichols' house after this. The guy could do anything he wanted after this. That's when a million dollars was
1: a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things he did after this was Catch-22, which...
0: Yeah. That was his next big film after this. Right, which had a lot of talent. Starring Art Garfunkel. Was able to attract a lot (laughs) of talent. And, yeah, what a tremendous career. Yeah. Just hit it out of the park. He will be missed. He will be missed. Yeah. Mike Nichols. So, uh, have fun uh, in Seattle. I will do that. Enjoy the yeah. trip. I'll, I'll probably be in touch. The plane out there. Yeah. So, as as you're on sort of that flat escalator thing in the airports, <laughs> the airport, you can have Sound I'm of Silence the, going yeah, on in your head as right. you just have that thousand yard stare on your face of, like, <laughs> oh God, what life do I have in front of me? What's yeah, going Seattle. on? contemplating the deep thoughts of life you can have that going on I'll do that then yeah exactly well, cool it's been fun and this has been a fun bonus podcast a little something extra for the ride home and um yeah if uh if if you're uh, having withdrawals you can go on the website and listen to, to back episodes. Some back episodes.
1: Or some of the other Chris, other... what are you listening to in there? Yeah. Why
0: does it sound like you? What's going on. Well, well haven't you haven't you recently loaded onto the website a bunch of what's this gay show you're listening to? What is this garbage?
1: Is this the NPR, Chris? Well, haven't you haven't you recently loaded onto the under the celebrity Leberty a uh, bunch of our other previous uh, works
0: besides the podcast, the the thinking clearly stuff. Yeah, I, I have not else. loaded that. Yeah, I haven't loaded the scripted stuff yet. Okay, but I'm going to get to that soon. Yeah. I'm going to add the, another tab for that. Save the
1: th- yeah, we we've done a bunch. We've recorded all kind of all yeah. manner of stuff that's unpolished. I have those all on the iTunes. Yeah, don't yeah, but don't unload. Don't put those publicly yet. We got to, I got to fix a bunch of those. Anyways, mm-hmm. but yes, yeah, so. Cool. Well, happy holidays!
0: And uh, yeah, see you again. in the event that I
1: don't that we that happy we don't that we don't podcast until next year, happy new year, happy new year, happy holidays, everybody!
0: Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa if you're into that, <laughs> whatever they celebrate up there.
1: Yeah,
0: happy uh, life day.
1: You get some. You get some tunes to to take us out with.
0: To take us out with. That's Kcast for this week. This is Caleb. This is Chris. Happy holidays. <laughs>
1: And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson Jesus loves
0: you more than you will know Whoa, whoa, whoa God bless you please,
1: Mrs. Robinson Heaven holds a place for those who pray